0: You ever find yourself questioning the way you read the Bible? I, I, I feel like in my, most of my life when God begins to have me question the way that I'm studying, it's because he's fixed to unfold some new things in my life. Because it's very easy, the longer that, you've, the longer, the longer that you're saved, the longer that you read the Scriptures, the longer that you study the Scriptures, it's easy to kind of fall into this, I know that mentality. Well, yeah, okay, that, because that's how I've learned it. That's how I've been taught it. That's how I've read it for years and years. It's how my dad taught it to me, that, you know, for years and years and years and years. And, and you get to where you're kind of reading the Bible in these isolated instances. But it's like when you read the Gospels, you read the life and times of Jesus, and you read the four Gospels, they don't go Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John. They go like this. All the accounts are woven in together, and so if you if you ever take the time to go and start studying the, the how they compare and how they line up together, you begin to see there's something in the same time frame. They just were reporting different parts of the stories of what was going on. The Bible says if the, if the if you wrote down everything that Jesus did and taught. The world couldn't contain it. So it, it, we have all the things God wants us to have there. But as it goes through, what you end up with here is you end up with this, this story, this narrative that is woven together through all of the Gospels. And so I was studying some parts of the Gospel this week, and some things were, were, were pretty awesome to me. Because how many of you have ever had a hard few days? Yes. Okay, the rest of you liars, raise your hand too. <laughs> in case this is your first time in this church, we are a responsive church. Yes. I mean, I can preach to myself. It doesn't bother me. I can preach myself happy. But it's more fun if y'all join in. <laughs> so once again, how many of y'all ever had a bad few days? No shame in it? Oh I know you're a Christian. You're not supposed to have bad days. Come on, please. 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 That's just stupid that life's unicorns and blow pops. Guess what, chief? It's not. Life's hard. Life gets, life gets messy. You know why? Because people suck. Yes. <laughs> I'm being honest. I mean, y'all can sit around and act like I'm not being honest If you. Life's hard because people are hard. It's difficult. It's, God, God is in control. God is sovereign. But people have free will, and they do stupid things. I do stupid things. Sometimes my life is hard because I'm a moron. Trey, your life's always hard. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church this morning, Trey? <laughs> I do that because I, I love Trey. I, I, I can relate to Trey. I was smarter than he was when I was younger, but not by much. <laughs> Actually, no, he's way smarter than I was. I was a dummy when I was young. But I was reading through the scriptures. And I wanna, I kinda, I'm not going to read all of it because we don't have time for me to read all of it. But in Mark chapter 6, Jesus and the disciples... Had a really roller coaster time. Y'all know life's that way. One of the most difficult things about life is to, how to con- is being able to control your emotions during the roller coaster that is life. I mean, y'all, if y'all, I, I just talked about this a couple weeks ago. Pastor Jason always has this thing whenever I get on something I'm upset about. He wants to do a podcast called "What Grinds My Gears" with Pastor Johnny. <laughs> You tell you something the world ain't ready for that podcast. I'm not ready for that podcast, but because it's because life does this. It does. You can have a day that's going great. You have a bad series, a bad part in the middle of the day, and it can end wonderful because your kids pile up on your lap and hugging on you, and you get to snuggle with your kid. You know you can have you can have a bad day, a good day, great. Wake up feeling great, get to work. Somebody's a numb skull who didn't do what they're supposed to do, and the life t- and life takes a dip. You can be a teacher or a coach, and, man, things be going great, and then you have that one parent that's just a moron. God never called me to be a teacher. There ain't that much bail money in the world. (laughs) Because there ain't no such thing as a bad kid, but there's some parents I'd like to whoop. God, can you imagine that? The only thing I could tell you I'd be good at is them kids would get away with nothing. Back to the board, working on the chalkboard. They probably don't even have those anymore. They get away with nothing. I'd be like, "Don't do that." <laughs> how do you know I was doing that? I did that. I always told J.D. growing up, I said, "Son, don't try to get away with anything. You will not." I did it. Well, you see, and that now, man, you got all this technology. I catch you doing anything. I tell you all the time. How many of y'all grateful we didn't have YouTube and smartphones when you was a teenager? Yes. I'd be in jail. Or wealthy. One of those two things. I'd either be in jail or I'd be extremely wealthy. Because we'd have had a lot of views on the stuff we did. <laughs> we'd have had some views on the stuff we did. I one time had a buddy of mine bet me that he couldn't kick over, that he could kick over one of them orange construction barrels. Driving down the interstate. We did not let him know they were weighted on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, you may never even heard this story. If you did, here it goes. So I'm driving down the road in my dad's Ford Aerostar van. <laughs> on the interstate. Boy, we swing the sliding door open. Let me tell you something. Best thing about a sliding door on Aerostar van, you could get it open real quick and close real quick. You could get into some mischief in Aerostar van. <laughs> so old oh boy gets down on the floor of the van and as we come. <laughs> he kicks that barrel as hard as he can kick it, driving down the interstate. Fortunately, my two of my other friends had a hold of him, a really snatched him out of the vehicle. Where's his leg? Oh, he's still got his leg. No, this dude was hard headed and hard legged. He was strong. I mean, he's strong everywhere, but his brain, a dude, dumbs a box of rocks. But oh no, he wasn't very smart. He knew he realized those were weighted. I'm dying laughing. The sandbags all in him. We're just crying, laughing down the road. His foot's all like bruised and swollen up. He's still in the van, thank God. In case you're wondering, no, the barrel did not go over. His best friend, I was in a truck with him. His dad just bought him a brand-new truck. He's like, you think I knocked one in barrels over my truck? Him, they were best friends because they were both stupid. Uh, <laughs> I said, nah, you can't do that. He veers off into the lane, knocks a side view mirror, clean off his truck. <laughs> uh, no, that's funny. I like that. Now, funny was that same guy, before he got the new truck, his old truck, he got in a car accident, he was delivering pizza for Domino's. He gets in a car wreck. He doesn't call Domino's, let him know the pizza. <laughs> Next day, he shows up for work like nothing happened. Never made the delivery, never called in. They're like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm coming to work. They're like, no, you're not. <laughs> He's like, I got in a car wreck yet. Yeah, He's like, you didn't call or deliver the pizza. What did you do with the pizza? I ate it. <laughs> you're fired. That's it. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> no. Man, mm, yeah, enjoy your pizza. Sorry, I get, I get distracted. I don't know how it is. At least the good thing is my distractions are entertaining. There you go, so there's that. Well, in Mark 6, Jesus and the disciples, they had had an interesting day. And and I'm going to kind of go through this, and I'm going to go to Matthew 11 after that, because it's all in the same thing. Mark 6 and Matthew 11 happened within the same days. And I I never have put it together until I started really looking at it, why, why the part of Matthew 11 that everybody knows is so important. But in Mark 6, it's when Jesus has gone to Nazareth to minister. And... No one believed in him. You know why? He was just a carpenter's son. The Bible says a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. You ever tried to do anything around people that you knew real well? Mm-hmm. Anybody? Yeah. Anybody ever tried to do anything around people that, that you knew real well and they knew you real well? They don't look at you the same. They don't look at you the same. You could have changed. You could have all these things going on. You could be doing everything God's called you to do, but they look at you like, hmm so this is jesus man he's there and he's trying to minister to people and to heal people and to take care of people and all they're doing is look there's a the carpenter's son so jesus is like all right y'all have a good day i'm gonna take my divine healing and my eternal life and we're going somewhere else with it but the bible says jesus was tempted in every way we are doesn't it am i telling you the truth that true yeah, yeah? okay well you can you nod your head yes if, you, if you're if you're agreeing with me if you're not go home read your bible more it says that in there <laughs> jesus was tempted and tried and tested in every way we were without sin right yeah. so it means jesus had to deal with disappointment yeah. see sometimes we have this idea that jesus didn't have to deal with difficult things he dealt with all the difficult things so, I mean, there's no way, there's no way that Jesus going home to the people he grew up with, the people he cared the most about, the people that were, were close to him all through the first 30 years of his life, that he, when he went there and they didn't want anything to do with what he was preaching to them, it had to be disappointing. You ever tried to tell your family about God? You ever had to try to tell people that you were close to, that you were friends with about your relationship with God and they just look at you like you got three heads? Anybody? Okay, I guess I'm the only one, me and Miss Kim. And they look at you like you have three heads. Go and tell them what God's done in your life. Oh, that's just Chris. Go tell them what's going on with what God's done in your life. Oh, that's just Cody. Jesus knew what that was like. Cause he goes home, goes to his hometown, man. He's ready. Jesus is there to heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted, to minister to every person of every need that they could possibly have. And they're like, eh. That's just the old carpenter's son. We know him. So he leaves from there, heart heavy, disappointed. That's the beginning of a bad week, y'all. That's the beginning of a bad week when people don't care what you have to say. People are supposed to care what you have to say, and they're like, eh. We forget about the man side of Christ. The Bible says, Tommy, he was all God and he was all man, but that man side hurts sometimes. Listen, if you've been in church very long, if you've been in church ministry at any time, you know what rejection feels like. Tom, you ever walked through any rejection? A little bit, pastoring churches that many years? Just a little bit, huh? Give all you have, and the people who are supposed to be there for you, that are supposed to be the closest to you, reject you? So here's Jesus been rejected by his hometown. I guess nobody in here has ever faced rejection. You ever poured your life into something to have people reject you? Feels great, don't it? No. Not so much. Not so much. And so Jesus starts out with that. And so then Jesus sends the 12 disciples out to minister. And he says, Don't take anything with you, you go minister. If people will receive what you have, you, you, you bless the home, you pray, you heal the sick. If they won't, he said, Do this. Knock the dust off your feet and keep moving. Jesus went through a time where he went through the rejection that he knew they were going to face. Y'all stay with me here through this. We're going somewhere. He went he knew he knew what the rejection felt like. So he told him he said, "Listen, you got something. I've given you something to give to the world. But if they don't want it, the solution is not to keep drilling. It's to kick the dust off your feet and move on because you'll continue to find people who do want it. Listen, in my life in ministry, Tommy, I know you can echo this. Brother Floyd, you can echo this. How many of y'all have ever dug in the well that was dry? Yeah, ever, anybody ever dug in the well that was dry? Oh, we're going to win them. We're going to win them. We're going to win them. And all you're doing is getting dustier and dustier feet. Because you're just digging a deeper and deeper hole. Do you know how? My daddy told me it took him 40 years to realize why people don't go to church. They don't want to. They don't want to. And so Jesus tells the disciples, says, go out, minister. If people don't want it, kick the dust off your feet and keep moving. You won't run out of people. And so here we go. They're going to go out and they're going to try to walk this out. And man, listen, they come back in rejoicing. Even the devils are subject to us. I mean, buddy, they've been out there with the authority of Jesus just whooping behind. I mean, they're having a time, Tommy. They're having that moment where you come down out of the depths of despair when you're walking through life, and then, man, it's straight up to the mountaintop. From a, from a ministry, from a pastoral perspective, it's that point where, man, it feels like everything's starting to click. Everything's starting to run the way it's supposed to. People are engaging in God. People are chasing after the things of God. Man, revival's pouring out, and it's going awesome. It's that point in your life where you come through and you go through this terrible season, but then God gives you this great job. And you're on the mountaintop with it. And don't nothing seem like it can go. a season of just blessing. You're in a season of prosperity and things are going great. But then they get word that John the Baptist is dead. All in this same, listen to me, all in this same area, all in this same vein. Man, it's Jesus is in disappointment. He, he sends the disciples out, and man, there is just absolute just amazement at the power and the authority of God. And then the very next thing they hear, John the Baptist has been beheaded by Herod. You talk about this. Boom! Here it is—the precursor for the Son of God coming, John the Baptist, who's announced the arrival of the King. And Herod takes his head. You know that must have—you all 'all flat—that must have left them. I can put it in areas that y'all will understand. In life, I'm, I, I have to use. I have to you be going great, and then you find out what I found out one night that one of my spiritual sons had gone back to alcohol and drowned in a bathtub. Man, everything's on the upswing, Jeremy. It's like that kid you had in your in your in your play for him that's gone all the way up through and doing everything right, and then all of a sudden they get in high school, get with the wrong crowd, and make terrible decisions. And it's just boom. No matter what you've put in, no matter how hard you've poured in, the bottom just falls out. Because I'm going to tell you something, church. When life is happening, the bottom sometimes will fall out. And if the only way I'm able to serve God is when I'm on the mountaintop, I'm not going to serve God very faithfully. Man, they come out of feeling victorious. Rick Going devil hunting with a switch, man. You know, you walk out of an altar service where God's just moved in an amazing way. You know what I'm talking about. Man, people being healed, people being ministered to, people being saved. And on Monday morning, you get hit in the face with terrible news. John the Baptist is dead. They go through this time of despair. In in Matthew 11, if you read this version in Matthew 11, it talks about that Jesus talks about John the Baptist, whom the world was not worthy of. goes into all these things about the man who left them and the man who was gone. But listen, here's the thing. Life still had to go on. They were sad, man. They were broken. They were hurt. But guess what? Life still had to move forward. See, the thing about walking with God is you can't ever stop walking. See, they could have pitched a tent and decided to camp in the death of John the Baptist, but that was not what they were called to do. They were called to change the world around them. And so when stuff happens, when you lose someone in your life, whenever I lost Daniel Melendez, you know what you got to do? you got to mourn, then you got to get up, you got to knock the dust off of you and say, you know what, God? We may not have won this one, but there's a 100,000 of them that we're still responsible to go get. And so what's the next thing that happens? The feeding of the 5,000. You want to see what, what, what roller coasters look like in the life of Jesus and the disciples? Jesus leaves with disappointment from Nazareth. The disciples on the mountaintop, casting out devils, healing the sick. John the Baptist is dead. Okay, boys, mount up. We got five thousand besides the women and children to feed. Because the demand on my life, the demand on your life doesn't change, church. Those people, even though, Jesus, see you know they, the, the, the disciples may have mourned, but Jesus and John the Baptist grew up together. They was like me and Jason. They were brothers. Speak about it, buddy. Go ahead. Preach a little bit. Jesus loved him, he loved him. He's gone. But Jesus wasn't on this earth to mourn the life of John the Baptist. No, you ain't hearing me. You're not on this earth to mourn the bad times. You mourn them, but then you got to move. Then you got to move. You can't stay there. You can't live there because that's not what you're called to and what you're called for. So Jesus and the disciples go out. And here's the dumb disciples again. These folks is hungry. He said, well, go gather some food. I ain't got no food. We just told you that. Jesus broke served it. Gave provision. Rejection. Wild acceptance and powerful miracles. The death of John the Baptist. Miraculous feeding of 5,000. Tommy, it was just constant. It was the constant, constant movement and pace and seasons of life. We get so caught up in some season that we're in, only to rip. and it's going to be up here, and then it's going to be down here, and then it's going to be up here, and it is what it is, and you cannot allow yourself to be moved every time the weather changes. And so they've been through this week. All these things have happened. And at the tail end of Matthew 11, everyone's going to know this as I start reading this, but you need to understand the season it came in. Do you know we live as an overwhelmed society? We have all this stuff going on constantly. With the natural seasons of life that already exist, we have to interject our own. We go find our own drama when there's not enough. And if we don't have enough, we'll go find some on social media because somebody's got some. But all this stuff's going on through this time, through this season with Jesus and the disciples, the rejection, the wild, amazing, powerful ministry that goes on when he sends out the disciples. In Matthew 11, this is what Jesus says to him at the end of Matthew 11. Come to me. And I tell you, this verse took on a whole new meaning to me after realizing the the, the flow of what had been going on. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. And I will give you rest. He says, "In in the sea of life, when your emotions are frayed and frazzled because you've had the good and you've had the bad and then the great and then the bad, he says, what do you do? What do I do in that moment? How do I stay faithful to the call of God? He says, come to me. Can I tell you, you and I cannot walk this life alone. You can't do this. You cannot handle the ups and the downs and the emotional pitfalls and the changes of life alone. And Jesus said, after all of that, he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll make you rest. He said, I'll give it to you. See, I've had times in my life where I tried to make me rest. Anybody ever done that? I just need to rest. No, it says God says, he said, Jesus said, I will give you rest. In the midst of all situations, in the midst of all storms, he said, I will hand you rest. Because see, there's a difference between the kind of rest that I can provide myself and the kind of rest that he can give. See, he can give a kind of rest that it doesn't matter whether you're on the upswing or the downswing. He gives the kind of rest that moves through every storm and moves through every situation and moves through every circumstance. But he said, you're going to be in these times. You're going to be in these moments. See, so many times what happens is we let the distractions push us from him instead of letting them draw us to him. And so after all this thing, this whole time, all these things that had gone on, Jesus said, y'all come to me. He said, y'all get close. Get close. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a home that when I made it home, I was safe. Listen, my heart is always going out for people and to people who have lived in abusive homes. because. And so, Tommy, anything in the world could be going home, but if I got through mom and daddy's door, I was safe. Insulated from all the things that were going on around me. And there was a peace that lingered in that chaos going on. But when I got there, that's what Jesus is saying. He says, listen, there may be chaos going on all around you. But he said, quit trying to fix it on your own. Anybody ever tried to fix their life only to make a bigger mess out of it? Anybody ever tried to solve their own problem? That worked out great, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You just crushed that situation. <laughs> and that stage I was in in ministry when that happened with Daniel, I remember I've sat back and I've, I've thought about that a lot because it, it was tough. It's a tough time. That was a tough season all the way around. And. I thought I knew what I was doing. You know, the worst thing that can happen to you in life is when you think you know what you're doing. No, I'm, 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 I'm just going to give you all some, some straight up sharing. I had my feet set underneath me. I thought I had finally figured out what pastoring looked like, what you're supposed to be doing, how you're supposed to do it. I thought I had some stuff figured out. And so as this stuff starts to happen, i say, okay, what what should I do here? What will I do here? What will I do here? Not, hey, I'm running to him. Not, hey, I'm weary and heavy laden. Listen, I can look in this room and see people who are weary. I'm being polite. I'm not going to stop in front of you today. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) And you're weary because of life. We have more people in our world on more medication than ever before. You know why? That's what man can do. Here's a pill. Take this medicine, it'll make you feel better. Take this medicine, it'll make you feel nothing. Amen. And you know what it is? It's trying, it's trying to counteract the effects of life. But Jesus' response to that, I mean, I know, I know that we, we had to leave my hometown. I know that you guys had an amazing ministry time. I know that John the Baptist is dead. I know we fed 5,000 besides the women and children, he said, I know, man, you've got to be emotionally exhausted. If you've never been at the point of being emotionally exhausted, I will take physically exhausted over emotionally exhausted any any day of the week. Not even close. It's not even close. I'd rather work 16-hour days and work myself to the bone than to be emotionally exhausted. And that's what these men were. Sean, that's what these men were. They were just... Like, and Jesus' response was not, hey, go take you a good long vacation. Listen, if you are physically tired, that type of rest is what you need. If you are emotionally tired, all that happens is you have more time for your brain to work. So you tell people, you need to go get some rest, and all they do is sit there and worry. Go sit down and rest some, because that ain't the kind of rest you need. You need rest for a weary soul. Jesus knew it wasn't that these guys needed to go take a vacation. They had weary souls, man. You can, Listen, we as human beings can only handle so many emotional highs and emotional lows and emotional highs and emotional lows before it takes a toll. You and I can only handle so many wins and losses and wins and losses before it takes a toll. Because it's one thing to be physically invested in something. It's a whole other matter when you're emotionally invested in something. It's a whole different game. When you're emotionally invested in your life and the lives of the people around you. That's different. Anybody in this room ever had to take on new responsibilities? Every man in this room, if your hand is not in the air, I'm going to whoop you. <laughs> Trust me, y'all don't even want what's coming at the next garrison meeting if, y'all don't, if I don't see hands. And for the record, if you ain't at the garrison meetings on Wednesday nights, you need to be here. Amen. Same thing with women of worth. If you're not here at our Wednesday night legacy meetings, you need to be here because we have God's doing things. Now, I'm going, I, I'm going, I've never been in one of the women's groups. So I can't speak for them, but I can tell you, if you come to the men's group, you better come with some steel-toed boots on because the Bible goes off on us and the world needs some. But if you've never been asked to do something, a new responsibility, something that pushed you outside of your comfort zone, man, it don't take much of that before you get emotionally drained. It don't take much of that. And all of a sudden, you're looking around, and you're like, oh, man, yeah. I don't think I can do this no more. You're like, like, I mean, you literally almost like sleep-deprived stupid. Mumbling to yourself because you're so strained. Stressed out. In our world, panic attacks are on the rise at like double the rate of what they used to be. It's unbelievable. Jesus says to the disciples, he said, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to be done in a minute. If y'all ain't got nothing this morning, I ain't got nothing for you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, refreshing your souls and salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from or learn of me. So he tells the disciples, now you've got to pay attention to what's going on here. He's told, he tells the disciples, Hey guys, come on. Come here. You boys gather close. Pulls them in. He tells them, He says, Rod, he says, he says Y'all come on. Come on, I'm going to give you rest. I want you all to learn of me. Because see, what he's talking about there is they've watched him. See, look what he's talking about on the heels of this. They watched how Jesus dealt with rejection. They watched how Jesus dealt with the death of John the Baptist. They watched how Jesus dealt with them coming back. Listen, they're coming back so fired up, man. Look, the devils are even subject to us. Jesus like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they come up here, we got to feed these people. Jesus' is like, all right. So what have they learned of him? What are they watching him do? They're watching in the midst of whether it's the high or the low, Jesus is still the same. In the midst of whatever is going on, Jesus is still the same. I've told you all the time, when I look at great men of God, when I look at Brother Floyd and Brother Tommy, and I look at my dad, what always amazed me about him was their ability to stay the same. You know, Jeremy, when we want to go kill somebody, we look at our dads and, man, they're just. When someone in the church has mistreated your dad, and you just want to go take them and choke them out. I mean, that's. He's still praying for them. But Jesus said, you guys, listen, watch, learn, learn of me. What, what have y'all seen me do? He said, come on, take my yoke upon you. He said, get in partnership with me. Walk with me. Jesus says, hey, come unto me and rest, but get a hold of what I do. Watch how I act. Watch how I conduct myself. Watch how I live my life. Yoke up next to me. Walk next to me. Take steps when I take steps. Stop taking steps when I stop taking steps. Because, see, you can't yoke up with God and outrun him. And you can't yoke up with God and drag behind because if you're willing to yoke up with God like two oxen going to work, you're going to walk the same speed. Yeah. And i got another news for you. You're also going to go in the same direction. <laughs> I mean, while I would pay good money to see two oxen pull against each other in a yoke, they ain't going to do much. Prompts, I'm almost done. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed, quiet for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. And I've always loved that scripture but when I look at the things they had faced. before when I look at the things they had faced, and Jesus' his response was, come here, come here, guys, come here, come here, come here. Fathers in this room, there's times when we're doing what we're supposed to do, that things are going on with our kids and our wives. You know what dad's got to do? He's got to step and say, come here, come on, come on, let's take a breath here, Let's, let's calm down, come here. And Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, fellas, come here, come here. Now, I can hear the voice of God when I'm, in, when I'm in some type of a funk. I hear the voice of God. He says, hold on now, son, come here. Come here. Come here. God says, come here. Tom, you ever been in one of them moments that you just hear the voice of God saying, come here, Tom. Come here. Come here, sit at my feet. Draw real close draw real close, said, let's put our yoke, let's put this same yoke on. Because see, what they had but they had watched is, they had watched Jesus walk through the same season they walked through. See, church, this morning, if you put that yoke on, he walks through the same seasons you're walking through. Brother, he has to, you're yoked together. Life's not going to change, guys. And we went through stages in the church where we tried to tell people that everything was going to be perfect, Rick. It's not. It's not. And so here's what happens. If you go through life thinking that you serve God, everything's perfect, then you think when, you're, when everything's not perfect, you must have done something wrong. I've been there. Anybody ever been there? I must be doing something wrong because life's supposed to be perfect, Brother Tom. I'm walking with the Lord. But it's not. Life happens so you can learn, so I can learn. I have never learned anything about myself on a mountaintop. I learn about my relationship with God in the valley. Everybody loves Jesus whenever things are easy. Those deep down things form when there's a struggle. Those deep down things form when you lose someone close to you. Them deep down things form when the people who are supposed to care about you reject you. So you walk into a room and try to share your faith and everybody laughs you out of that room. That's when you find out if you believe or not. That's when you know if you believe or not. I've had friends of mine I tried to share my faith with. They laughed me out of the room. The Bible says the cross is foolishness and folly to those that don't believe that's when i find out what i really believe am i gonna go ahead and turn my back on the things of god and roll with my buddies no my faith's in my god i'm done y'all stand up i'm not done but i'm gonna quit i never get done I can tell you this, there's not a person in this room that couldn't use some refreshing for their soul. Yes. Yes. Not a person in this room, I don't care, listen. All I can tell you is when you're in a really good season, really drink up from the well. Because <laughs> don't nobody think they need a canteen walking by a river. But when the river runs out, my Bible says that out of your belly. See, when I'm when I'm linked up, when I'm yoked up with Him, Rod, when you yoked up with Him, you are the river. Out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. We're going to take just a few minutes. and I'm not going to ask you to come to the office. They're open. You can come if you want to. But I want you to just take a few minutes and just come to the open arms of the Father.